G'day, everyone. Welcome to the Talking Leadership Podcast. Thank you again for joining me. And today we're going to continue the long-form discussion as we uh, want to have around this thing called leadership. So I appreciate you joining me. So by way of introduction, my guest today has 15 years of experience in recruitment across major national and international brands, including Virgin Atlantic, Rolls-Royce, and My Chemist Warehouse Group. My guest has applied his recruitment and business acumen to his own enterprise, simplified recruitment solutions. From his first day in recruitment, he knew that he had found his dream career and uh, that was changing lives. To this day, my guest and the SRS team continue to take great pride and enjoyment in what they do and in finding and placing the perfect candidates for the roles that they have. Implementing his own philosophy on conducting business and recruitment, he has developed and refined his methods to deliver targeted solutions through a collaborative and educational process with small businesses. One of my guest claims to fame is building his last business from two employees to 70 in a two-year period period, which is a massive achievement. I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Mr. Bobby Semple. How are you, man? Thanks, Eric. Good to see you again. Thanks so much for having me. And it's funny when you hear someone read that back, you don't realize how long it is. You go, oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, it's quite funny when you, I've not seen that for a while. So it's, um, it kind of gives me tingles on my back um, yeah. of, of hearing about it. You kind of just forget about things, don't you? You just move on with your life. And then when you look back at history, you go, well, I've done quite a lot. <laughs> Quite a quite a CV there, and we can get back to some of the elements there that I'd like to ask you about. But I think it'll meld in quite nicely with the uh, themes that we're going to talk about today. So let's let's start at first uh, principles. So your leadership and its beginnings, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember playing a lot of sport back in the UK, and um, I played football, I like soccer and cricket and things like that. And I always felt like I always had. A, a, an idea or a, a good opinion and um, wasn't scared to kind of talk about it. And I think that once you start to get into team sports like that, you kind of really work out a pecking order of people. And even though I wasn't the captain or anything like that, I was always, you know, a person that people look up to and somebody that was always working hard, training hard, you know, trying to be the best for the team. And especially as we I came into my working career, I always remember my first job was in a um, it was in a nightclub, and I started off as a glass collector and uh, worked my way up to the bar. Then the next minute I was a bar supervisor. Then the next minute I was club supervisor, and then the next minute I was assistant manager of this club. Uh, I'd been working there for a year, and I didn't realise that I was doing anything different compared to anyone else. But the management team turned around and said, you we can see that you've got something a bit different and a bit special about you and we want to take you on this journey. At that time, I was you know, fully involved in nightclubs and that was my dream of going down to manage my own nightclub for this large corporation of, of 400 nightclubs in, in the UK. And so really from that point onwards, I kind of like realized that I could do things and see things a little bit differently to most people and really progressed from, from there. Then kind of when I worked into different positions, it was always, hey, do you mind like just running the team? Or hey, do you mind just watching this for the next six months? And and it just kind of led on from there. And, you know, working for companies like Rolls-Royce and Virgin and Chemist Warehouse and places like that, and especially in the capacity that I was in, I was working in their HR departments, you learn from the best leaders in the world. So not only do you learn from the best leaders, but you also learn from the really bad ones because you can learn, okay, well, I, don't, I didn't really like the way you did that for me, so I'm not going to do that with, in, in, to, to my businesses. And just taking experiences from other people and learning and listening, sitting in meetings and boardrooms of you know 20 people who are really high-powered executives and just seeing how they spoke and how they treated people 
And um, like I say, the, the biggest learning was learning the bad things and learning how I didn't want to do things. And that really allowed me to paint a picture in my head of how I would treat somebody. And when I got the time to be a leader or a manager within any of those businesses, it really allowed me to show those skills. And um, and I, I like to think that I am a open person, uh, open door policy where people can come and speak to me about anything they, they want to, um, but also a fair leader in the sense of I'm a big believer in giving somebody the outline of the role. Um, and then once they're comfortable with that, saying to them, I want you to do better. I want you to improve this. Uh, you're the person who's dealing with it day to day. And uh, if you can find a better way of doing it, then why not? Thank you for that introduction. It gives you a good outline as to kind of where you are now. And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, given that you've had experiences with uh, some large corporates and in the running of your own uh, business venture that you've met other leaders. So I guess I'll put this to you this way. How do you define leadership? I always use this example and uh, about just the wording, the word leadership and the word director, you're going to lead to somebody or you're going to, you're going to direct somebody. And I always like to use the uh, like the orchestra version. You know, we've got the person at the front of the orchestra is making sure everyone is in time, is in beat, but that person isn't playing every instrument. <laughs> They're not running around and playing every note. They're just making sure that everybody is, is in line. Everyone's doing what they should be doing. Everyone's hitting the same notes, the same speed, the same rhythm. And that's what's really important as a, as a, as a leader or director is to, to do that, is to lead that person to make sure that they understand how to play the violin, what notes to play, when to play it. And, and, and anything else is really up to them to become an expert in that. And that's how I like to look at it. You know, leader is to lead someone. It's not to, to say, this is, how, this is what you should be doing and I'm going to watch you every second of the day to make sure you're doing it. Is, is trusting the, the, the team and having processes and systems in place that catch the person if they you know, fall below a standard, et cetera. So you can then go back and train them and, and, and go over the, the basics. Uh, and then once they get that under the belt, then that's when you can give them a bit more freedom and say, okay, well, let's, how do we improve that? And that's what business is all about. It's, you know, we have processes and systems that I created uh, and then I bring people in uh, and I move away from those, those systems and processes and someone takes over that. And that, you know, we have to we evolve as businesses. We have to use different processes and systems to make sure, you know, we're being at the top of the game. And the best people to do that are the people on the front line. And uh, they're dealing with it day to day. And, um, you know, we used to have meetings. We used to say to people, hey, like, I'm just sat here. You, know, you don't have to book a time with me. You know, yes, I might be busy. I might say, can we come back tomorrow or whatever? Um, but come to me with that idea. Come to me with that change that you want to make. Let's talk about it. Let's see where it makes sense. And, and if all the stars align, then we'll go ahead and make that change. Could picture your style of leadership being very open to people having that conversation with you. It, it's one thing to be that, though. It's always uh, the art form is encouraging people and letting them know that when I say you can come in any time, that you actually mean that, as opposed to someone takes you up on it and suddenly you bite their head off because you're busy trying to think about something else. So, yeah, that the consistency there is good. I get you have to live um, what you preach around your style, and uh, you make a good point there. I guess it's. Um, um, giving people the opportunity to understand that they can take you up on your word and you know communicating that is important. Essentially, you're going to make decisions at some point. Some will be 
operational, some will be more strategic and some will be decisions you never want to make, like telling someone that they're, they're, um, they're moving on from the, the, the business, you're, you're transitioning them out and all that that entails. And definitely this next area, the the idea of uh, the lonely road of leadership, I didn't come up with that uh, phrase, but I like to use it and discuss it. So from your perspective, Bobby, is it a lonely road or as lonely as you choose to make it? The biggest thing why, like, why it can be lonely is the the sometimes the decisions you've got to make. You can feel like you're really isolated because really, you know, especially if you're a business owner, it's really your decision. You know, do you go this way or do you go that way? And yes, you might have a team around you. You might have you know, a team of admin people. They're probably not going to get involved in that kind of decision. You know, uh, larger businesses, you know, we have directors of departments, et cetera. We have, you know, board meetings. And so once you get to that level and you've got other people in that area, it's less lonely. But at the end of the day, you're the person who's got to make that decision. And that's what can make you feel really isolated because you're kind of like, oh, if I get this wrong, it could cause a lot of you know issues down the line. But you've got to look at the positive side of it and go, okay, well, what can go right? What can go right with those decisions? And at the end of the day, you can reach out to as many people as you want. You know, I've sat down with people who wouldn't have been involved in that normal decision in my businesses. You know, I've spoken to, um, you know, admin staff about something. What do you feel about this? And getting their perspective on something that is, we can sometimes think about something so often. And there's that old saying that you can't see the wood for the trees. And so by going to someone else and go, hey, what do you think about this? And they go, oh, have you thought about this? And you go, oh my God, I didn't even see that. <laughs> and how many times do we read a document and we read it 20 times over and we give it to someone else to read and they go, oh, you've got a spelling mistake. And go, oh my God, you couldn't even see that. You know, it's only as lonely as you want it to be. Um, I, you know, some hyper successful people, uh, you know, multi multi millionaires in the world. And um, when you get to that kind of level, it just become quite lonely because really you're surrounding yourself by the same people. And as we get to that level, there's less people like that. And what we find is people like Elon Musk and you know all these you know super super successful business business owners don't have many friends <laughs> because they you know they want to hang around with those people and if you're a billionaire then really you're going to go hang around with billionaires and so but that's the choice that's the choice that you you've got to make and so really it's if you want to be lonely or you don't see it that way you just want to you know keep everything to yourself you know, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. But I find that you need support in most decisions. And it's, it's always good to have a sounding board, whether that's another director or, or whoever it might be, or even just the team leader, or even like someone who's really on the front line. And the good thing about opening yourself up to these people, like, um, they feel like they're special. They're kind of like, oh, what, you want me? Well, you're asking me about this multi-million dollar deal. <laughs> why, why are you speaking to me about it? Well, I want your opinion. What, what do you think? How, how, how do you think you're going to handle that if we bring in another 30, 40 clients a month? And, you know, and having that open conversation where they'll go, oh, yeah, we could smash it. It's all good. Okay, well, then that's great. <laughs> but if they turn and go all a bit worried about that, and then, okay, well, we need to plan it a bit more. So it's as, only as lonely as you want to make it. An interesting perspective, mate. A good time for me to take stock of my own thinking. And I think when you're talking about decision making, you're also talking about potentially complex issues. And I think the more heads around what what does the scope of the decision mean? What are the things you should be considering? Having more advice around you than less is probably not a bad thing. Hence the existence of boards. Hence the existence of key think tanks around the place to try and help clarify the thinking. Now, um, in most cases, those 
systems that are out there or those organizations or groups of individuals aren't there to make the final decision, but they help you sort of tease out what's important and what's not important. So yeah, I, I can agree. I think um, in, in any endeavor, uh, I'll, I'll use one example, a simple one. I've been recently doing some study and I've, I've finished a piece of work and I, I gave a draft to my my son who's now starting uni to have a read and four or five pages in, he was finding typos and issues and I, things I thought that were there. And because I'd been reading this thing for so long, sometimes you just fill these things in in your head and they're really not there and uh, it's a very human thing to do but you know having someone else um provide advice is not a sign of weakness but i, I guess it depends on the leader that you're speaking to and it sounds like you're you're open for the the discussion at least and that that's a starting point and that that's definitely a style thing so yeah i just like to comment on that and so you know i'm a big fan of tiktok i watch a lot of tiktok and um you know at the end of the day you can target it to whatever you want. You know, I use it for business and there's a lot of business coaches on there. And, and this is one guy I follow and he, he really hit a real, you know, accord with me because he said, you know, he, I think he had a business with 500 employees. And, and he said, when I go into a boardroom meeting, I want to be the, the, the stupidest person in that boardroom meeting. I want to surround myself by people who are experts in what they do. So let's find a, a finance director. Let's find an IT director. And so they really concentrate on with their departments. And when I come into that room, I'm the last person to talk because I'm not the expert. I'm the expert of the business, but I don't know much about finance. I don't know much about IT. So the important part about it is you uh, you, pre- you, know, you present what it is that you want to happen or the idea or whatever it is you're in the meeting for. And then you go around the boardroom and you don't say a word. You just let everyone say their piece until you've got every bit of evidence, all the information, and you can take that. And that's where you come in as the director, or the owner of the business, because you can go, okay, well, I think, you know, you can thank them all for their, their input, but they've all given you those details for you to make an informed decision rather than the other way around. And, and you can do the same. You don't have to have directors. You just have key people in your business. You go, you bring in and go, this is what's going on. What do you think? And they all give their two cents worth. So you can make an informed decision. Yeah. And it's not always about agreeing with, everything that's put out there is sort of seeking the wisdom of others and and to nobody's surprise a lot of leaders don't want to do that because it's it's um it's almost letting go of some of that um the the power in the role um depending depending on what position you've got so if you're the business owner essentially the buck stops with you and that that has its own dynamics there around uh the responsibilities that that someone who's built a business has to the people that are working for them so um humans being humans you're probably thinking you don't want to make mistakes too often because you've got people reliant on you for their livelihoods and I'm, I'm sure that that um, gets into people's heads far too much but that's a different podcast and we're here to talk about you so let me ask you something mate uh, measuring yeah. success how do you go about looking at success in the businesses that you've been involved with and by way of example let's lo- let's use your your current venture what 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 looks like success for you I mean obviously there's always the bottom line you know we're always looking at that side of it and but the thing that the the key thing is for me, how I look at it is, especially with employees, they're a really good sign of how well you're doing in your business. You know, how long are they staying for? How long are they, you know, are they performing well, et cetera? And I remember in the mobile dentist, that's also where I had the most employees, and that somebody would resign and, you know, I'd always ask the queen, what's going on? Why are you, why are you leaving? Um, and, you know, these things always happens. You're always going to get turnover. And 
I always wanted to know, are you going to, are you leaving here to go to, to better yourself, to go somewhere else to, to, because you've learned so much with us. And if someone is going, moving on and they're going to a better position, more money, uh, more responsibility because of what they've learned with me, then I'm happy with that. And that, that's a sign of success for me. If someone is progressing in their career and we can't help them with, with our business and they're moving on to that, then that makes me really happy. Um, that they're going to find something that, you know, they don't want to do with us anymore. They, they've got the skills, they've learned skills from us, they've taken all this knowledge and then they're going to move on. I, ideally, we want them to stay. So we're looking at tenure. You know, we're looking at people staying for two plus years. That equals success. You know, rather than talking about the sales all the time. You know, having a team of people who, you know, are friendly and open and, and you can have a conversation with them and they don't look at you and being, oh, my God, you're the boss. You know, obviously, we, don't, we can't be their friend in that sense, but we can still be their work friend. And we're still a human being at the end of the day. And it's having that conversation and people being comfortable in, in the business of if I call them and they're not going, oh, my God, why is he calling me? Because this shouldn't be any problem. This should be no problem because we should all be talking about what's going on anyway. And so, you know, apart from the bottom line, it's it's how do the employees look at the business? Are they looking at it as, okay, well, I'm just going to want to be here for a year or it's a long term and, and bringing support into them and teaching them, you know, if somebody doesn't know how to use Excel and it's something that we use, we'll train you on that and you have a skill to use in the next position. No one's going to stay with you forever, especially in, 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 in the current environment. We're seeing so many people move on probably one to two years after working somewhere. And so we're going to see that more and more often. So the biggest tip is really make sure that your employees have the ability to go and leave but they don't want to because you're so good. I, I know in my own personal professional circles, I always I was always in awe of people that were in jobs for 10, 15, 20 years. And I don't think that's the norm today. Yeah, it's it's not what you would normally see, but a one to, a one to two year turnaround. Yeah, you'd want to make the business case for why you'd want to work for company A versus company B fairly strong so that you can retain and keep people. Uh, and you bring up an interesting point about what what is an appropriate amount of time to be in a job. Now, employers don't want people that are job hopping because they may not be suited to the world of work. But if everyone is doing that one or two year hop, then it's what you're seeing and then that doesn't become such an issue. So I remember when I first went out in the world of work, this is 20 odd years ago, if you job hopped, people would ask the question, why didn't you stay there for longer than two years? And if you didn't have a good answer for that, they thought you were potentially skittish and they didn't want to offer you an opportunity to work. Now, I think the opposite would be true of why did you stay somewhere so long? What was it about that that um, employer? And it can be really good things. You could be, I say someone working for you, for example, they could be with you for, could have been with you for the last five, 10 years. And they're comfortable working with you. They excel at what they do and they're happy in that environment. You shouldn't look a gift horse in the mouth, I guess, is what I'm saying here. You don't w- want constant turnover. And I know I'd be shot down from those that will tell me, no, turnover is not a good thing. But turnover can be a good um, indicator of where things are at in your business as well. And it shouldn't be something that should be feared. It should be interrogated um, as best you can. I'm sure you've had experiences there. Bobby, let me ask you, leader capabilities. Now, you obviously, you're a success in your own right by starting your own businesses and you've worked for others. So can you give me a sense from your perspective, what you see are, are critical leader capabilities for you? Like anything, that people become experts in something because they do something for a long for a long time, and that's what they are, that they do. So I'm an expert in recruitment because I've done it for so long. I've done it for so work for so many companies doing it. So I'm well aware of my capabilities. I know that 
I know basic bookkeeping. I can get along just through my business, but at some point it's going to get to a point where it's going to be way above my head. And so it's about bringing, again, like I mentioned about the boardroom, having people who are specialized experts. So I can, I don't have to be an expert in everything. I don't have to be capable capable of doing everything in my business. Right now I need to do that because I'm a smaller business in this business. But once you get, you know, the, the, the chance to bring somebody in, like at the moment I do sales in my business and I want to get to the point where I can employ someone to do that because I want to get someone in who who's an expert at it. I can do it okay. I'm doing all right with it. But by far, it's not my strength. My strength is kind of sitting above people and seeing what's going on, making a little tweak and supporting those guys to to, to, be, to do better, even though they might be doing very well anyway. It's all about not spreading yourself, not calling yourself an expert across so many things and understanding where your strengths are and bringing people in to complement that so you don't have to do that. And a lot of businesses fail. Like you mentioned it before, a lot of people don't want to give away that power but at the end of the day, like, why would you want to pay? Why would I pay a finance director one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and then for me to do everything that he should be doing? Like, it's ridiculous. You may as well just not hire him. You may as well just go and hire an admin person and get them to do it, and you just do it. But there's nothing better. The best thing that happened to me is when we were in the mobile dentist, and we got to that point where. I didn't have to work in the business at all. It was just consistently working on the business. And I stepped back and I was just kind of like, oh, this is different. Like, I don't, do we need to do anything? Nope. Okay. Do you want my help? Nope. Okay. Well, all I've got to do now is look at the next phase of the business. Okay. Let's go to the growth phase number two and let's start looking at that. And, um, you know, just, you look at people like Elon Musk and people like that, they don't do that. <laughs> you know, they go and tell people what to do and they go and do it and all of a sudden not all of a sudden but over years he's you know, one of the richest men in the world he doesn't do everything like why would you want to go and do everything so understand what you what you're capable of and then try your best to find people to complement that around you i have a theory why elon's come up a few times given that he's just recently bought uh twitter and all, all the uh, action around what that will mean for the world um but yeah i, I guess <laughs> i guess you don't get to those heights of um business ownership and and becoming a you know billionaire you know overnight that you you have certain um certain characteristics of his kind of person the, the entrepreneur that the ones that i've spoken to in this podcast and what i see out in the in the big wide world and through linkedin for example is there's a recognition from those that are prepared to take a chance and build something that they may not know everything so you buy in the talent that you need to do that and i wouldn't have thought it was difficult to make that choice but if if your if your mindset even as an entrepreneur is to micromanage then that has its own set of consequences and if you really want poison in a workplace micromanage someone for long enough and they'll they'll manage their way out of the business and um you know, if, you, if you're brave enough to ask the question, why are you leaving? They're probably not going to tell you that you've been on their case for so long that you didn't feel that you, didn't, you had the opportunity to do the job. And that probably happens more often than people are prepared to talk about. But it that is what it is. And uh, I, I believe, I truly believe that the most effective leaders, probably the most effective entrepreneurs, the ones, like you say, that are prepared to... um let others come in and, and fill those gaps so that you don't have to do everything because it's kind of the point of leadership is that you you have a degree of trust in other people and you've, you've made that fairly clear in your responses here, Bobby. Um, the next the next topic area, I, I, I don't know how you're going to answer this one. I, sometimes mm-hmm. I can guess with the responses that I'm given, but I'm a bit stumped. So I'll, I'll put this to you, the nature versus nurture question. Are leaders born or are they made? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And especially over the last few years, I've learned a lot more about um, 
you know how our past can affect our future uh, you know only you know, I remember an example of I'd never been in the sea before, like in Australia, because back in the UK, I was living in uh, in a place called the Midlands, which is in the middle of the UK, two-hour drive to any beach. And my mum always used to say, oh, don't go in the sea. It's dirty and horrible. There's fish in there and horrible. And so I'd been taught that the sea was bad. So, you know, talk about nature and nurture. If you're going through, and this is why people who are rich, their families stay rich for a long time is because they're taught the rich way of things. The kids are taught how to create wealth, how to create income without having to work daily on it. And they give them the mindset from an early age. And, you know, if you're, if you're born into a poor household and you're said, you know, you'll never reach any heights, you're going to work, you're going to be get paid by the government every month. If you get told that, then you, of course you're going to believe that. And the same as I believe that the sea was not a place to go into, you know, and the same with food. Like on my mum didn't doesn't like seafood because she didn't like seafood. And I saw her pull a face every time she eat food. When I was younger, I don't like seafood, even though I've never eaten it. <laughs> and so I think there's a mixture of both. You know, if we are brought up in a household that is always talking positivity, talking about how you can go and generate your own money, you can create your own business, and you're taught that from day one to the age of 15, 16. Well, of course, you're going to have a better mindset and, a, and, and the ability to go and do that And if you were told that you were a waste of space. But I do believe as well, with the right training, anybody can do anything they want. You know, if you want to go and be an astronaut and people laugh at me when I say this, they go, oh, that takes 20 years. Oh, yeah, I didn't say it was going to be easy, but you can still go and do it. It takes time and takes effort like anything and action. That's the biggest thing. And it's educating those new leaders that come through those ranks that you see and passing on that positivity, you know, if they don't have that positivity at home. And, um, you know, so many people get told they can't do something. I'm a big believer in, yeah, of course you can do it. You, know, you, might, you might not like doing it, but you can go and do it. And it's all about looking at the people that you want to be like. You know, I mentioned Elon Musk and all these people because I want to be like that. I, I feel like I've got something like that. And why wouldn't I want to have that aspiration to do that? If you want to be like your dad and your dad empties um, works in a in a refuge tip and uh, it's still a great job. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But you know you you got to have that aspiration to be something and want to have that. And you need that in you still. It's not like you can teach someone that side of things. And you know some people don't want to run a business. Some people just want to do the admin side. And that's that's totally fine. And that's the key for us leaders. And we've got to go and find that talent that we have that are going to be those next leaders for us and then spend time with them because at the end of the day they look up to you because you know they're, they're seeing what you're doing and if you can give them some of your time and experience it's going to rub off on them and the positivity is going to rub off and then we can get rid of that mindset and then allow them to grow into whatever they feel like they need to it doesn't mean they're going to be a leader in my business but at some point they can be a leader and that could be a leader just being at, you know with their family and leading their kids to be more positive and leading them into something you know as it might skip that generation but education is is, is really key in that yeah i can hear that loud and clear so Bobby, last topic area and yeah, very much uh, interested where you might go with this as advice. Looking back on your leadership pathway, if you could go back to a younger version of yourself, what would you tell your what would you tell yourself about being a more effective leader? So interesting because it's so, so similar, like, you know, would you go back and change anything? And you know what? I probably wouldn't say anything because I don't believe it's like I look back. At the, when I worked at the, mo, uh, the mobile dentist and I was doing that business, I didn't even have the right mindset then. Like I was just luckily enough, I'd worked for some businesses where I'd taken a lot of information from and implemented that into that business. And 
yeah, I wouldn't go back and say anything because I don't think I was at the right stage. Everything was right for me right then. Um, you know, maybe start something on your own sooner, but then, you know, I didn't have the drive to do that. Like it was easier with the mobile dentist because you had someone else and they were doing one thing and I was doing one part of the business, but like in Simplified, that would have never happened if I didn't have the experience at the mobile dentist, because that's where the idea came from, even though I had 15 years experience. And it's, that's about, oh, it's try things, fail at things, go and, go and ask the question. You know, I was so scared of speaking to people. Like I, even though I was very um, extroverted in some ways, I was very introverted, but I was so scared to ask that question. Hey, can I have that deal? Hey, can I have that job? Oh, can I come, can you mentor me? Can you show me how that's done? Um, and I'd be so scared of that. I would say, you know, speak up more, um, put your hand up more, be the first person to speak more. Um, you know, so many times I wouldn't say anything because I'd be like, I'm too scared to say it. But now I can see how important it is to get your point across and how important it is to get your message across, especially if you're a leader. Uh, and I don't think I'd tell myself anything, honestly. I think I would never go back and say anything. That's a very interesting response. I I can see why you wouldn't because you need to – you need to let things happen in the sequence that they're going to happen. But you also did mention that you know, give it a go and speak up and, and back yourself, I think, is what you're saying. And that seems to be a consistent response with that question. I'd like to think I'm not old enough to go back to a younger version of myself, but I think I'm old enough now to do it. And I'd probably do the same things as you because I'm not naturally a an extroverted person. And so even though as a classic introvert, I draw energy from myself and I don't need others to get up and get animated and do things. Part of me can switch between the two when I need to. And so when you say take a risk, I've applied that thinking to approaching people to do the podcast. So like we've never met before doing this and I reached out to you and you said, yeah, I'll have a chat. And my thinking now is I've got a 50-50 shot here with Bobby. Either he's going to say, yes, he'll talk to me. And I said, look, I'm too busy. No, thank you very much. I've met someone potentially and we might have a chat later or you say no and it's the end of it. I've really lost nothing and gained a potential um, contact in the world of, of of business and particularly in the leadership game. So it's more um, what do you, what have you got to lose other than feeling a bit right. silly because somebody said no. That's right. And, and especially in this day and age, in this world, most of it's from behind a computer. Like you send, hey, do you want to have a catch up? If they don't respond, why does it matter? Move on to the next thing. But the key thing is it's the action. Action creates success in anything you do. Like you took action, you message me. That's the action. <laughs> the response was, okay, let's go and do something. And it's the same with business. It's like we, you, lots of people have, have wonderful ideas about businesses. And the action part is the hard work. But you've got to do that to make it a success. And you've got to be consistent with those actions on a daily basis over two, three, four, five-year period daily. <laughs> and that's where comes really hard people fail because they you know get fed up of doing the action or oh, that action is not re resulting in any results for me but my dad always said to me I always remember this when I was younger my first girlfriend broke my heart and I was crying my eyes out I was like 17 it was my love of my life obviously you don't realize that you've got all these years ahead of you <laughs> and you're kind of like and I'm crying my eyes out and my dad was like son there's plenty of fish in the sea all you've got to do is kiss a lot of them to get a kiss back so the idea was that you've got to kiss a hundred people to get one kiss. So that was it. That, you know, that, that, you know, I use that all the time. You know, it's like the same in business, in sales, you know, not everyone's going to be your client. Um, and the biggest thing is the, the training that I've had is you celebrate the no's. You don't celebrate the yeses because every no that you have 
means that you're getting closer and closer to that yes. And it's the same as anything. It's the same with, in, with women or men or in your relationship. You know, you've got to go through these hard things um, to get to a good point. But you also have to remember that just because it's bad at the moment, it's not always going to be bad. And, and the same the other way around. It could be you might be having the best week, the best month or whatever it might be. At some point, that's going to stop. And once you start to learn that there's these peaks and troughs, it allows you to become a better leader because you can understand yourself and go, OK, well, I'm having a really bad day or a bad week, but have the confidence in yourself to go at some point again, kissing the hundred fish. Um, at some point, something's going to turn and it has to turn. But you have also have to be open to that. So many people go through their day and don't understand the gratitude of what happened in that day. So I'm today, I'm grateful. It's Friday. You know, I'm speaking with you. I'm grateful for you giving me the opportunity to speak on your podcast. And that might be the best thing in my day. Um, I might have had a really bad day, but I've got to look at those positive things and, and be grateful for them. Because if I'm not, all that happens is we don't notice them and then we just think everything is bad. And, you know, as a leader, we can't do that because if we are down and gloomy, um, then our team will feel that and they'll feel that response. And you don't want that to happen. You want to be, obviously, it's hard, you know, everyone gets down and depressed and um, it's not about saying, hey, just get over it, we'll move on. It's about them having someone to look up to and going, okay, well, God, he had a really bad day last week, but look at him now, he's great, you know, and, and it's being open and honest for yourself about that. But if we don't acknowledge the downs and the ups, then it's not going to, um, you're not going to appreciate life at all. Yeah, words of wisdom, sir. So <laughs> before we go, Bobby, could you give me a bit of a sense of what Simplified Recruitment Solutions does for, for the sake of the listener? So over to you, man. Definitely. Um, so basically what we do is we take away all the recruitment administration from hiring managers, business owners, um, so they don't have to do it themselves. Um, um, predominantly what they would do is they would either get a team member to do it or do it, them, do it themselves. They would do it really badly. They wouldn't write the job advert properly. They wouldn't post it in the right places. Um, so we take away all that administration and we do it for a really low flat fee. We're actually around 80% um, a better value than a traditional recruitment agency and we do everything from writing the job advert to providing recorded video interviews all the way through to um, working rights checks uh, such as working in Australia and also police checks and references and we just take away about 30 hours of work from you if you were to do it yourself. What I'll do is I'll make a, a link to the website there Bobby and, and put up your LinkedIn details so mate thank you for your time. My, my, it was my pleasure thank you for having me. No worries. So for those listening, I've been speaking to Bobby Semple from Simplified Recruitment Solutions. Mate, again, thank you for your time. And for those listening, thank you for supporting the podcast and we'll catch everyone on the next episode.